Chapter 1 of the Critique of Dogmatic Theology by Leo Tolstoy, translated by Leo Wiener. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. First part of the Dogmatic Theology. The introduction consists of the exposition of 1. The aim, 2. The subject, 3. The origin of Orthodox Christian dogmas, 4. The division of the dogmas, 5. The character of the plan and the method, 6. A sketch of the history of the science of dogmatic theology. Though the introduction does not speak of the subject, it cannot be omitted because it defines in advance what will be expounded in the whole book and how it will be expounded. 1. The orthodox dogmatic theology, taken in the sense of a science, has to expound the Christian dogmas in a systematic order with the greatest fullness, clearness, and thoroughness possible, and of course only in the spirit of the orthodox church. 2. Under the name of Christian dogmas are understood the revealed truths which are transmitted to men by the church as incontestable and invariable rules of saving faith. Farther on, it explains that revealed truths are called the truths which are found in tradition and in the scriptures. Tradition and the scriptures are recognized as truths because the church recognizes them as such, and the church is recognized as the truth because it recognizes these, tradition and scripture. 3. From the conception given about the Christian dogmas, it appears that they have all a divine origin. Consequently, no one has the right to either multiply or diminish their number, or to change or transform them in any manner whatsoever. As many as were revealed by God in the beginning, so many must there remain of them for all time, as long as Christianity shall exist. Revealed in the very beginning. It does not say what is meant by revealed in the very beginning. In the beginning of the world or in the beginning of Christianity? In either case, when was that beginning? It says that the dogmas did not appear one after another, but all at once, in the beginning. But when that beginning was, it does not say, neither here nor anywhere else in the whole book. It goes on. But although they remain invariable in their revelation, both as to make their number and their essence, the dogmas of the church have nonetheless to be disclosed and are disclosed in the church to the believers. Ever since men have begun to make these dogmas, which were handed down through revelation, their own, and to draw them into the circle of their ideas, these sacred truths began inevitably to be modified in the concepts of various entities. The same happens with any truth when it becomes the possession of man. Inevitably there had to appear, and did appear, various opinions, various misconceptions in regard to the dogmas, even various mutilations of the dogmas, or heresies, intentional and unintentional. In order to guard the believers against all that, to show them what and how they should believe on the basis of the revelation, the Church has from the very beginning offered to them by tradition from the holy apostles themselves short models of faith, or symbols. The dogmas are invariable in number and essence and were revealed in the beginning and at the same time they had to be disclosed. That is incomprehensible, and still more incomprehensible is this, that before it said simply, in the beginning, and we assumed with the theology that it was from the beginning of everything, but now the beginning is referring to the beginning of Christianity. Besides, these words give us the very meaning which the author has denied in the beginning. There it said in the beginning everything was revealed, and here it says that the dogmas are disclosed by the church, and towards the end it says that the church has from the very beginning, or something, offered. Not the church offered from the beginning, by tradition from the holy apostles, short models of faith or symbols. That is, there appears an internal contradiction. It is evident that by the word dogma, two mutually excluding ideas are understood. According to the definition of theology, a dogma is a truth as taught by the church. According to this definition, dogmas may be disclosed, as the author indeed says they are, that is, they may appear, be modified, become more complicated, as has happened in reality. But the author, having evidently given an inexact definition to the word dogma, by saying that it is a teaching of the truth instead of saying a teaching of that which is regarded as the truth, or even by saying simply that the dogma is a truth of faith, has given to dogmas still another meaning, which excludes the first, and so has been drawn into a contradiction. But the author needs this contradiction. He wants to understand by dogma the truth in itself, the absolute truth, and a truth as expressed by certain words.
This contradiction is necessary in order that teaching what the Church regards as truth, it should be possible to assert that what it teaches is the absolute truth. This false reasoning is important, not only because it inevitably leads to contradiction and excludes all possibility of rational exposition, but also because it involuntarily rouses suspicion in regard to the consequent exposition. According to the definition of the Church, a dogma is revealed divine truth, taught by the Church for the sake of saving faith. I am a man of God. In revealing this truth, God has revealed it to me too. I am in search of the saving faith, and what I say to myself, billions of people have said. Then teach it to me. The truths are revealed by God, revealed to me as much as to you, so how can I help believing these truths and accepting them? This is all I want, and they are divine. So teach them to me. Don't be afraid that I will reject them. But the Church seems to be afraid that I may reject what is necessary for my salvation, and wants to compel me in advances to assert that all the dogmas which it may teach me are truths. There can be no doubt that what God has revealed to men who are in search of Him is truth. Give me these truths. But here, instead of the truths, I receive a bit of intentionally incorrect reasoning, the purpose of which is to assure me in advance that everything which I am about to be told is the truth. Instead of vanquishing me in favor of the truth, this reasoning has the opposite effect upon me. It is evident to me that the reasoning is irregular, and that they want to assure themselves in advance of my confidence in what they are about to tell me. But how do I know that what I am about to be taught is not a lie? I know that in the dogmatic theology, and in the catechism, and in the epistle of the Eastern Patriarchs, even in the symbol of faith, there is among a number of dogmas one about the holy, infallible Church, which is guided by the Holy Ghost, and which is the keeper of the dogmas. If the dogmas cannot be expounded in themselves, but only by leaning on the dogma of the Church, they ought to begin with the dogma of the Church. If everything is based upon it, they ought to say so, and begin with it, and not place beginning with the first article, as is done here, the dogma of the Church at the foundation of everything, without mentioning it except in passing, as something well known, and not as is done in Philoray's Catechism, Chapter 3, where it says that God's revelation is preserved in the Church by means of tradition. The Church is composed of all who are united by faith and tradition, and it is they who are united by tradition that keep tradition. Tradition is always preserved by those who believe in the tradition. That is always so. But is it right? Is it not a lie? And that care with which, without saying anything about the dogmas, they want to catch in advance my agreement to every dogma, compels me to be on my guard. I do not say that I do not believe in the holiness and infallibility of the Church. At the time when I began this investigation, I fully believed in it. In it alone, it seemed to me that I believed. But it is necessary to know what is understood by the Church, and in any case, if everything is to be based on the dogma of the Church, to begin with it, as Komyakov has done. But if they do not begin with the dogma of the Church, but with the dogma of God, as is in the case of the symbol of faith, in the Epistle of the Eastern Patriarchs, in the Catechism, and in all the dogmatic theologies, they ought to expound the most essential dogmas, the truth revealed by God to men. I am a man. God has me too in view. I am searching after salvation. How then could I refuse to receive that one thing which I am searching after with all the powers of my soul? I cannot help accepting it. I certainly will accept it. If my union with the Church will strengthen it, so much the better. Tell me the truths as you know them. Tell them to me at least as they are told in the symbol of faith which we have all learned by heart. If you are afraid that in the dimness and feebleness in my mind, in the corruption of my heart, I shall not understand them, help me. You know these divine truths you the Church are teaching us. Help my feeble understanding, but do not forget that no matter what you may say, you will be talking to the understanding. You will be speaking the divine truths as expressed in words, but the words must again be comprehended only through reason. Elucidate these truths to my understanding. Show me the futility of my objections. Soften my obdurate heart with the irresistible sympathy and striving after the good and the true which I shall find in you. And do not catch me with words, with an intentional deception, which impairs the sacredness of the subject of which you speak. I am touched by the prayer of the three hermits of which the popular legend speaks. They prayed to God, There are three of you, three of us, have mercy on us. 
I know that their conception of God is wrong, but I am attracted to them and want to imitate them, just as one feels like laughing looking at those who laugh, and like yawning looking at those who yawn, because I feel with all my heart that they are searching after God and do not see the falseness of their expression. But sophisms, intentional deception, in order to catch in their trap those who are not cautious or firm in reason, repels me. Indeed, what is before us is the exposition of revealed truths about God, about man, about salvation. The men know that, and instead of expounding what they know, they make a series of false deductions by which they want to convince us that everything which they are going to say about God, about man, about salvation, will be expressed in such a way that it cannot be expressed in any other way, and that it is impossible not to believe everything that they are going to tell me. Maybe you are going to expound to me a revealed truth, but the method which you use in making the exposition is the same that is applied in the exposition of an intentional lie. Let us zealously look at the truths themselves, what they consist in, and how they are expressed. End of chapter 1